This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm Ann Greenhall, Deputy Director of the Wharton Leadership Program, and it's my pleasure to interview Andrea Coleman, the 2015 Lippmann Family Prize winner. Andrea, it's really a pleasure to have you here today, and you represent Riders for Health and are our 2015 Lippmann Family Prize winner. Could you begin and tell us a little bit about your organization and the kind of social impact you've had? Yes, thank you, Anne. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. Um, Riders for Health is an organization we started 25 years ago, um, and we started it because we were we became aware and that's another slightly longer story, uh, <laughs> that vehicles were being sent to Africa, ambulances, motorcycles and other um, uh, vehicles, but nobody was training local people to maintain them or run and manage all the very basic things that have to be done to keep a vehicle going. And we realized that what that meant was that vehicles were very expensive vehicles were breaking quickly and easily which meant a waste of the money the waste of the vehicle and the waste of the of lives because people weren't being reached with the health care that those vehicles were meant to take to them and of course africa is 86% rural it's a, it's a rural continent so once those hard roads finish there's no infrastructure but actually, there are no roads, but the vehicles aren't working either. So even if you had all the roads in the world, that you still wouldn't be getting to those people who desperately need the health care. So we decided that that was something we could address and really make a change to... You know, if you can spend a lot of money mm -hmm. on developing drugs or training health workers, but if they can't get to the people who really need it, it's, you're wasting time and lives. All right. So let me start from the top. What would you say, what's the vision of your organization, just in a nutshell? The vision of the organization is that no one should die of easily preventable and curable okay. disease mm -hmm. simply because they can't be reached with the health care that's available. All right. And the values underpinning the organization? We are very uh, certain that, that, that this must be local. This must be local people mm -hmm. that have uh, trained with the skills that they need to work with the Ministry of Health mm -hmm. and to make sure that it's the country's strategy, not our strategy, and that it's local people who are building the skills and delivering the impact. Okay, and then how, how do you do that? Through partnerships, I'm sure, but tell us a little bit about those partnerships. Well, the, the, the primary partnership is with the Ministry of Health. Okay. And up until this point, which is actually a critical point in Ryder's uh, history, uh, which I'm sure we'll come back to later, um, that, that partnership with the Ministry to explain to them if... If you can adopt this, if you can outsource the vehicle management to us, mm -hmm. that takes the burden away from you. But it also means that um, you don't have to worry about those issues. You can think about what the health workers are going to do and what your health strategy is and what your budget is. And so that partnership 
is the primary one and the and the critical one. Okay. And then from there onwards, it's building the the skills of the staff and 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 bringing in new other partners other NGOs also need their vehicles maintained but obviously um the the primary one is with the is with the ministry but then of course we've got our external stakeholders people who support us and that those are very important uh partnerships all right now the partnership then runs both at the national level but also locally isn't that true yes yeah, so the, the 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 partnership in terms of permission, if you like, mm -hmm. is with the ministry. Mm -hmm. But then at the next level, you're really working very closely with uh, the the provincial and the district um, ministries. But then you have your technicians, your mechanics, working very closely with the health workers. So it's the health workers who are needing the mobility to reach their rural communities. Right. Right. And it's the the mechanic, if you like, mm -hmm. that has the relationship with the health workers to enable them to be predictable and reliable mm -hmm. when in, in reaching their rural communities. So really there are two critical aspects to what you do. One is the management of the vehicles, but also the maintenance of those Absolutely. vehicles as well. Yes. And when we talk about vehicles, say a little more about what vehicles <laughs> we have in mind. <laughs> well, you know the the most there are three kinds of vehicles that are very important in in rural access mm -hmm. motorcycles is one mm -hmm. and that's for outreach that's for, for uh, health workers to be able to reach their communities with health education with uh, vaccines mm -hmm. with uh, all the things of bed nets all the things mm -hmm. that prevent people from becoming sick mm -hmm. monitoring mm -hmm. nutrition levels of nutrition is right. there malnutrition in this community are how many women are pregnant at what stage are they making sure the pre and postnatal care is taken taken very very seriously and then the the next uh, level is uh, trekking vehicles if you like mm. a vehicle that can take goods and and larger numbers of people for say a, a mass uh, clinic for immunization or pre and postnatal care and then the next level of course is ambulances to okay. to move people in emergencies mm -hmm. and you know women in obstructed labor mm -hmm. um can't walk no, of course no. and and they often die in the village yeah. and when they you know, there just aren't ambulances available. And sometimes there's no fuel or there's no driver. Mm -hmm. So the logistical part of it mm -hmm. is something that we take very seriously. Mm -hmm. We think about um, the journey planning, the okay. how you make sure those journeys are efficient and that they are actually addressing the health needs of the communities. In terms of just percentages, what would you say of the, of the fleet, motorcycle versus ambulance and so on? It, there are many more motorcycles because that that health uh, prevention is is so critical. Rather than leaving it until it turns into a, a a disease or even an outbreak, and so uh, there are many more motorcycles because if you if you picture um, uh, uh, the 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 the, uh, the geography that you're really looking at. Um, 
large numbers of people in a city, down at provincial level in the larger towns, the logistics aren't so difficult. Mm -hmm. But once you get past provincial down to district, there are villages that people don't even know where they are. Oh. And so you have to... And there are millions of people living right. in rural communities. Right. So... And there are no roads to them. So there are animal tracks and, and, and you know, human tracks. But actually navigating that to those large mm -hmm. communities is, is pretty tricky. Now, when you say managing the fleet, are you um, owning or do you own any of the vehicles or do you just simply manage the infrastructure? There are two models, two financial okay. models with mm -hmm. that. Uh, we can either manage the vehicles that the ministry already owns, okay. and uh, we call that transport asset, uh, transport resource management, mm -hmm. and and that's making sure that they are viable vehicles and they're uh, fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. We've also done a model where we buy the vehicles. We've borrowed money, which has been underpinned by uh, very philanthropic organisations, to to guarantee it. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, then the ministry has to pay us mm -hmm. to for the running of the vehicles and pay back the capital costs. Okay. And of course, it's up to us to negotiate a very <laughs> negotiate a very low interest rate <laughs> right, in right. that case. But mm -hmm. it's it's a what your question really hits home at okay. is that having the vehicles that are already there mm -hmm. run well yes. and managed properly is one thing. Mm -hmm. But having enough vehicles right. to reach all the areas that need mm -hmm. to be reached is another mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. So having some control about mm -hmm. enabling the ministry to have control about the number of vehicles, whether they've got mm -hmm. enough... Mm -hmm and also manage their budget. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of knowing exactly what the running cost is because the, the ministry can spend as much on having vehicles that are not running right. as having vehicles that are running, <laughs> simply good. because they're wasting away, the capital cost is wasting away in a car yeah. park somewhere. Right. And in terms of proportion, I'm imagining that most of the vehicles are uh, owned by the ministry. Is that right? Yes, most most of the vehicles we run are owned by ministries, but at least a third of them mm -hmm. are owned by Riders for Health, and mm -hmm. but leased on a full service lease mm -hmm. basis mm -hmm. to the ministry. Very good. And just in terms of numbers, how many vehicles are we talking about? We're running sixteen hundred vehicles at the moment, so it's. Pretty big in 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 eight countries. Our newest wow. is Liberia, as a result of the Ebola crisis, mm -hmm. and so um, at least two thirds of those are motorcycles, mm -hmm. and then for for the outreach, and then there are ambulances and what we call trekking vehicles. Trekking. And I've read that the reach is 12 million people, yeah. 13, 14 million, 14 is that right? 14 million people we're reaching, enabling healthcare to reach 14 million people that's, at this stage. That's really quite quite remarkable. So part of the equation is the fleet. The other side of the equation is the maintenance of that fleet. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about how you do that? Yes. And and I'm, I'm delighted you asked the question about the maintenance <laughs> because I think people talk too often about fixing a vehicle. They think of uh, maintenance as something Thing, that's broken, let's fix it. Right. We don't allow the vehicles to break because if a small part in an engine breaks, mm -hmm. it could destroy right. the rotor of the engine. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not saying it always does, but needless mm -hmm. to say, that's a risk we don't want to take. Mm -hmm. So in terms of keeping the economics of the service mm -hmm. at, at the right level, we make sure that if a manufacturer's part if they recommend changing it at 8,000 kilometres, we'll change it at six. And 
the health worker is trained to do his or her daily maintenance. They, she will do her making sure the chain on the motorcycles, the right tension, checking up for nuts, uh, air and tyres and no stones in the tyres that will cause um, punctures, making sure that all the nuts and bolts are on tight because if you're out in the rural area and a nut and bolt falls off, nowhere to get another one and you could be eaten by a line or (laughs) anything could happen to you. Uh, And and those things are real risks Mm -hmm. in in rural areas. But worse than that, of course, worse than anything, is that you're not getting to the communities to to deal with that health care. So the the way in which we do this is um, in the capital city in the country in which we work, the parts will come in for 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 the vehicles And so stores management is a very critical part of what we do. We make sure the stores are kept very well and then the workshops are very clean and very well systematised. And also uh, we, our technician... so the, 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 the health worker will do his or her daily maintenance and on a monthly basis, our technician will ride out to that, those motorcycles out in the rural communities and do the next module, whatever it is, changing the tyres or, or making sure that all the brake cables are changed or whatever it is, whatever's the next part of the plan. And that means that a health worker doesn't have to ride in to a major town, maybe 500 miles away, to get them vehicle service, we're taking the service station to them, however rural and however re- remote those oh, those vehicles wow. are. So it's a, it's a very systematised mm-hmm. infrastructure mm-hmm. issue. And then we have to think about the fuel, because also <laughs> in those remote yes. areas, there's no fuel. So we have to make sure that we have fuel stores in strategic places to enable them mm-hmm. to have constant uh, fuel supplies, mm-hmm. which, of course, in crisis moments... It's very difficult because uh, fuel is always uh, under pressure sure. at, at crisis times. How do you go about tra- training the healthcare professional or worker mm-hmm. to do the kind of maintenance? That's required. Yeah, so it, it's wonderful to see. I'm always thrilled <laughs> when I watch this process. Um, in the very first instance, we had a highly trained person to train two or three people mm-hmm. in our first country, that was Lesotho, okay. and the same people training two or three people in the Gambia, our second country. Okay. And now those people are the training professionals. Those initial people trained in West Africa and Southern Mm -hmm. Africa are the specialists Mm -hmm. in training. Mm -hmm. And the levels of training are riding and driving. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, critical to preserving an engine Mm -hmm. and a vehicle, Mm -hmm. uh, how you ride and drive, and to to make sure that the, uh, the, yes, that the vehicle's well preserved, but also Mm -hmm. that they're not uh, careless driving carelessly because as you probably know road accidents in in on the african continent are very high Mm -hmm. so we make sure that that's done that everybody is uh who's on a motorcycle Mm -hmm. wears gloves and proper protective clothing and a helmet Helmet. there's no you know riding around with on a pair of sandals and (laughs) no helmet um so we take that very seriously Mm -hmm. and then we train the health workers to do their daily maintenance and it we've got i know this sounds unlikely but it's true (laughs) we've actually found a way to ensure that somebody who uh has never ridden a motorcycle can can ride 
without any fear of falling okay. and be able to break and stop mm -hmm. within 10 minutes. And once you've got that down, <laughs> the, the rest is easy because okay. there, there are a lot more complications about riding in very remote, um, tough countryside. Sure, sure. But just getting that initial confidence is so mm -hmm. important. And the same with cars, it's, you know, and, and ambulances mm -hmm. and so on. But they have to be highly trained. And then their daily maintenance, they're trained in that routine. Okay. And that's a very important piece mm -hmm. of their work. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe, you know, people think of, um, you know, this sort of, as it were, the greasy hands part of, uh -huh. of, of, mm -hmm. of healthcare mm -hmm. as not really being relevant. It's sort of something else. Mm -hmm. But actually, <laughs> it is critical, yeah. that boring kind of maintenance <laughs> and um, greasy hands thing is actually critical to the health system. Yeah. Where would we be without logistics right. in mm -hmm. the developed world? Mm -hmm. So we really think this is healthcare. Oh, very good. So, in, so now you have a sort of a train-the-trainers model. Would that be fair yeah. to say? Yes, we do. And how how many trainers do you have? We have some specialist trainers who will go from country to country mm -hmm. to do okay. training, but we also have in-country trainers who, are go who do refresher courses mm -hmm. and making sure that everybody's up to standard, mm -hmm. and they will go round mm -hmm. and um, supervise yes. and make sure that there is no carelessness kind right. of uh, creeping in. Oh, very good. Well, Andrea, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about your personal journey to Riders for Health. So would you speak speak to that? How did you get into this business? <laughs> well, um, my husband, Barry Coleman, and, and our, we are co-founders. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we have different backgrounds, yes. but the, where we are the same mm -hmm. is that we're both motorcyclists. And <laughs> yes. that, that's our background. <laughs> my background in motorcycling comes from the fact that all my family, right from the early part of the last century were were motorcyclists mm -hmm. and uh, racing motorcyclists, in fact. And my father was a development engineer, so was my brother. So it, it and on my mother's side too wow. is is the same is the same background. And I used to race motorcycles myself. <laughs> um, my husband Barry. Uh, it has a much more dignified background. He's a he's trained as a lawyer and uh, a journalist. Uh, wrote for the Guardian newspaper mm -hmm. in in the UK, and um, but also a motorcyclist. So mm -hmm. when we saw this issue, mm -hmm. Barry looked at that and said, "That's got to be solved." And I said, mm -hmm. "That's got to be solved." So from our different standpoints, mm -hmm. we both um, focused on that, and we wonder how we risked at that time. Our three children were young, really young at that time. Yeah. And uh, I was 42, I think, and mm -hmm. Barry was 43. Mm -hmm. And we kind of um, took the risk mm -hmm. of starting this organisation, giving up everything we were doing in terms of income, yeah. and just focused on this because we thought, if we're not going to mm -hmm. do it, nobody's going to do this. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we started. And uh, fortunately, we were able to keep the roof over our children's head and <laughs> not, not starve everyone to death. But it was a big risk, but nevertheless worth every second. Oh, very good. And now, am I right in uh, remembering that part of the discussion came over a kitchen table? And in yeah. fact, with, uh, at the time, a rather famous motorcycle racer as well. That's right. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And who, who was that? Um, Randy Mamola has yeah. been a person mm -hmm. I've worked very closely with over, the, mm -hmm. over many years. I used to do his um, public relations and other management. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he 
and another famous motorcyclist, also from California. They both come from mm -hmm. California, one from Modesto, one from Santa Clara. We said, how are we going to raise the money to do this? Mm -hmm. And we decided that we had to make all these famous stars in motorcycle racing do what we need them to do just for one day a year. They're all, you know, amazing people. They've got this... <laughs> <laughs> you know, competition focus, but for one day a year. And so they helped us with the the core funding Great. that enabled us to prove the concept. So without mm. those two guys from California, <laughs> we wouldn't be sitting here today. Oh, very good. Now, speaking of funding, the Lippmann Family Prize comes with an unrestricted cash award of $125,000. How do you see that award helping you further your vision of the organization? Well, this is a very important award to us, and uh, the, 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 the prestige of it, of course, mm. is, is, is immense. Mm. But the money is, mm. is really critical at this time, mm -hmm. because, as I said earlier, we're at a really um, important transition mm -hmm. uh, point at this moment. And, and really what's happened uh, is that now is the time to really build... Um, the 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 leadership in the Africa programs, mm -hmm. and to make sure that in the future, Riders for Health is an African organisation mm -hmm. and not one that's that has to be generated from the UK. The leadership and the mm -hmm. expertise is outstanding, but we have to make sure that it's transitioned properly, and this is going to be what's going to help us to do that transition, to oh. take it from an entity that's driven, if you like, mm -hmm. from the UK to one that is solely driven uh, by our amazing staff mm -hmm. in Africa. Do you have thoughts about how to do that? You're really talking about succession, I think. Yes, this is definitely mm -hmm. about succession. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, th I think that um, Barry and I both mm -hmm. have came to realise some time mm -hmm. ago that we, we're not going to live forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, you know, it was a bad moment, but nevertheless <laughs> yes. uh, one that we all have to yeah. face. So um, we, we think that not only should we be thinking about how to hand over to leadership in, in, the, in the way that the organisation looks now, mm -hmm. but how to make sure we're handing over that leadership to the Africa continent. And to think about our mm -hmm. outstanding staff mm -hmm. there, how they think about succession as yes. well in their own countries. Right. Uh, our new work in Liberia has really shown us what, what skills and expertise mm -hmm. we have in those programmes, building teams from the Gambia, Zambia and, and, and Zimbabwe mm -hmm. have really put in place the new Liberia programme in a country that isn't their own. And that shows the, mm -hmm. the, the, the capacity that there already is. But we've, there are a lot of functions that we still do in the UK that really need to mm -hmm. be built in. And that's our next step. And that's where the, the, the money from the Lippmann Prize is so critical and so welcome. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.